0: Welcome back to The Muster. This is time for our political segment that we do every Monday here on the programme. Eric Roy, um, former MP and these days chairman of New Zealand Pork Board. G'day, Eric. Welcome to The Muster again.
1: Yeah, good to be back with you. That's, uh, yeah, interesting times.
0: That's one way of putting it. A wee bit going on, isn't there?
1: Oh, it certainly is. So uh, we sort of had, uh, I think, a wee bit of uh, what I might call overspin on the success of the free trade agreement into Europe, uh, certainly there are sectors of the agricultural community that had better expectations.
0: Was it a case of New Zealand taking what they can as far as that deal came with? Or do you think perhaps, um, and I'm under the impression, perhaps we should have just held off and just negotiated for longer to get better for red meat and dairy access?
1: Yeah, well, I, I haven't studied the detail to know whether that door has been closed, whether there are some opportunities to renegotiate the the meat and milk stuff. but um, And I, I don't want to get into too much analysis of why that might have happened. I think, though, the government was keen to get some runs on the board and say, look, this is what we've achieved. And, but I think there's some other factors in there that could be a wee bit worrying. Um, I, I think the government has kind of demonised pastoral agriculture to some degree is one of the issues around climate change that needs to be dealt with, and I'm not sure that I agree with the accuracy of that statement. And so um, facilitating the growth of that industry in New Zealand or even the sustainability, I I don't know whether there's some underplay on that. From a bigger perspective, uh, from a Europe point of view... um, we're all a bit concerned about China's role in the Pacific and our dependence upon China as a market. And one would have thought that if we were looking at some international success, we might have actually said, well, hang on a minute, in order to diversify our markets a little bit, um, some assistance with a free trade agreement into existing European markets was probably a pretty smart idea if we're looking about um, international Repercussions. So, uh, who knows what's all at play there? I wasn't consulted. I would have had good advice if I was. Uh, Andy.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. I understand that as well. Just from the outside looking in, it sounds like yeah, very much disappointing day. Especially when only point one percent of the red meat from the world is from New Zealand into that area.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, we we do need to diversify, but and that's a very hard thing to do. If one market is paying considerably more than the rest, um, then how do we say, well, we're going to take a hit here to develop a market here, and and the procurement of meat's a pretty uh, competitive situation. So which of the meat companies is going to say, uh, well, we'll offer a lower price uh, and you need to support us to actually develop a market over here? Uh, so it's it's all quite difficult stuff to do that diversification thing. Eric, you're involved
0: with the pork board, have obviously being the chairman there. The animal welfare codes have been drafted up. Um, there's quite a bit undertaken here as well, as far as reading.
1: Yeah, true. Uh, well, there's 17 animal codes that are out there for um, review at the moment, and I think the pork one was the low-hanging fruit. Uh we got an extension on the time for submissions to be in. they've got to be in by the seventh, which I think is probably about Wednesday. Is there anybody listening out there that was thinking of doing that I'd invite you to uh get a rattle on and see if you can get your submission in um and so the that one was quite extreme we've We've talked about that before the the cost impacts and and the fact that there's little international um, experience where some of the things that have been suggested actually make a difference. Um, The the sort of thing around uh, an economic unit of 350 sows, over 2.5 million to do the adaptations that the proposed code is inviting just makes no sense when we're looking at wanting to be more resilient uh, in our food supply. And, And one of the things we've learnt out of Ukraine, Russia, is just how... Fragile um, the supply of, of well, food and and food inputs like feed grains are when you get a disruptor in there. So um, I think if the what's kind of proposed is a, in in order to make this go anywhere near working, is about a twenty percent increase in the price of. Um, a stable commodity pork in New Zealand I don't think the government would be too happy if that had to happen uh, just to make this work for some unproven principles.
0: Yeah there's a whole lot to undertake there as well especially as we're being told Eric um, we need to do all this new paperwork that's being push- pushed upon farmers to get more money at the e- at the other end for your product but with this for FTA the other day that's not necessarily saying that's the case
1: yeah i look um, as i say i haven't, haven't really studied the detail of that i think there isn't any doubt that um farming is in transition as we absorb um being in the ets and 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 being dependent upon nitrogen in some areas and the price in which uh, some of those fertilizers have gone up on farm um Inflation is running at 11 or 12 percent, as against uh, about six or seven percent in the normal economy. So, if we get a bit of a hiccup in prices, there'll be real pain out there uh, with our agriculture sector. There's no doubt about that. And you know, I think <laughs> uh, six months ago we talked about the likely impact of yeah. um, of the Ukraine war and what's going to happen. I was talking to a guy that's quite dependent on feed grains. He's just bought last week at $720 a tonne, and his normal supply price is around $420, 430 uh, before that hiccup took place. So those are the kind of cost impacts that are going to hit agriculture pretty hard, really.
0: And just finally, Eric, Young Farmer of the Year, comp's happening this weekend. You're making the trek up to Whangarei?
1: Yeah, I'm actually the patron of young farmers, so it's good to be a young farmer for as long as I live. (laughs) Yeah, good way to look at it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a life member and a patron, so that's all good. So I like going and supporting them, and uh, I'll probably have an opportunity for a bit of a motivational spiel at one of the functions. So we'll some of these issues we've been talking about this morning, yeah. I'll probably air with a bit more detail. But, look, it's great that um, we see the cream of the crop coming through. I'm an old uh, finalist myself, 1975. So uh, it's, uh, it's a couple it's of days good. ago, isn't it? Well, it is, but here's a contest <laughs> that has continued to develop and grow and it's embracing a much wider perspective when I was in it now with the uh, with the practical stuff and the in the projects and a whole range of things that are included there and and it's a good shop window for what the excellence of young farmers actually can display.
0: Hey Eric Roy, thanks very much for your time on the muster as always. We do appreciate it. No worries. Eric Roy there, part of our political panel. Um, Great to catch up with Eric whenever we do. Talking to Young Farmer Contest, this guy knows a bit about it. Dean Ravage, farming out at Glenham. He's up next for a Monday afternoon.